Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Finding My Voice. Today I am going to explain a few things that are going to set the tone for a few things coming uh, in the future for this podcast. I'm going to give you updates on um, on other things I'm doing, obviously, like the RPG I'm making myself. That's going to take time, so stay tuned for that. Today I'm going to be talking about questions. I have been answering questions as my characters before, and I love doing that. And recently I was talking to a friend who talked about interviewing characters and, oh gosh, that sounds like fun. And in that vein, uh, since this podcast is also partly about teaching people about what it's like being a trans person, I am going to just give a brief answer to a list of 30 questions. Well, technically, well, not all 30 will going to be uh, applicable, but I'm going to go through the list and give you a brief, a brief answer on all of them. And I hope you will find that uh, educational. And then after that, I will explain to you um, the character interview system I have planned and I'll give you a comprehensive list of a big selection of the characters I have played fairly recently. I'm going back three or four years, and it's going to be characters I've played in a fairly long campaign. Some of them are new and I haven't played yet, but they are the ones that I have designed deeply enough for an interview. So stay tuned. And after I've answered the trans questions, I will be ta- uh, giving you a list and a little tidbit of information about the character selection, because I am going to let... My listeners decide uh, who should be interviewed if there's a character you are curious about. But first, questions about me. So, I start with the list. Uh, Has being trans been an obstacle in your life with friends, family, work, etc.? Well, yeah. I mean, it's been an obstacle for me because, yes, I have been dysphoric. But also, I guess, uh, friends, family, work, etc. Like society itself has been an obstacle um, and seen me as a problem. Because I wouldn't say being trans made the world turn against me. The world turned against me because the world is what it is, you know? So I'm not going to blame me being trans for all of this. Actually, I blame me being trans on very few things. Yeah, it's the dysphoria and that's it. Everything else is the world's problem, but okay, I get it. I get what they mean. Yes, being trans has been an obstacle. I hid for most of my life, for a long, long time, in fear, and I didn't get to be myself, and that was terrible, terrifying, and really a damper on what could have been a much, much brighter and happier life. That's a shame. So yes, safely, I can safely say that it's been an obstacle for me. How long have you known? That's question number two. How long have you known? Well, there, I know this is different for different trans people, but I am one of the people that have always known. Um, there's never been a time in my life where I haven't been aware that my identity is not what people expect. When I was very young, I didn't have words to describe it, or I didn't understand what to make of it. But the feeling of wrong, the social dysphoria, the mental feeling of I don't belong in the group I've been placed and seeing the group I want to be in, and knowing instantly that that's where I should be. So that's been all my life. How long have you known? I've never not known. What are your pronouns? That's easy. She, her. There we go. Learn them. Use them. Thank you. Uh, how did you pick your name? Uh, that's the neat part. I didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the, the quick part is my spoken name. I picked uh, I by asking a friend to help me crowdsource like she would throw a net in her um, 
like net of acquaintances online with people who didn't know me because I wasn't out at the time because uh, I felt like if I picked my own name, I would always second guess myself. Was this the right choice or wasn't it? And I don't want to be in that position. So I asked my friend to help me pick a name and she described me to a lot of other friends and Katarina is the one that won out and I am happy with that. Very happy. I have uh, a second name. I have Jan's daughter because... Um, uh, to, to basically to keep my father in my second name somehow. So Jan Stotter is kind of like a, an old way to uh, for a daughter to, to have her father's name in. It, yes, that's how it works. And I have um, Alvehild as a second name as well. And that comes from a role-playing character and my grandmother. Uh, you really need to listen to episode two of this podcast because that there I explain in detail where all my names come from, and that is a magical, magical story. You do not want to miss that. Uh, I feel horrible for saying this, but I think that is the best episode of this podcast. feels horrible that I peaked on episode 2, and I'm now on episode 26, but it's really a neat episode. Episode 2. It's called The Magic of Names. That answers the question of my name perfectly. All right, question 5. What's your favorite dinosaur? That's got to be the T-Rex. I mean, I don't think about dinosaurs that much, but dinosaurs are awesome, I cannot deny that, and the T-Rex is just so iconic, you know? Um, why would you want to be a guy or a girl? I mean, I, I guess there are answers to that for some people, but for me, it's not about wanting to be anything. Um, like I would say, for most of my life, I wished I was a guy, because that's what the world saw me as, as. that's what like the physical, like my nerve impulses were telling me I was, and it would have been so much easier if I could just be that. But I tried it and it didn't work. I could not turn my identity into what my surroundings thought it should be. Uh, so I would want to be a guy because that would make life so much easier, but I would just be giving in to the weird demands of the uni- of the world around me to just conform to their comfort rather than be who I am. So I'm not a girl because I want to be. I am a girl because I want because I am one. Wanting to be one of these things is not an issue for me. I am what I am and I can't change it. Now, if you're non-binary or, or gender fluid, maybe that's different for you. But me, that question isn't even relevant. Seven, what does AMAB or AFAB mean? Well, it's simple. Assign male at birth or assign female at birth. That's an easy way to say, like, to say you were born a man or born a woman is like, that's not really true because you were born with your identity uh, and and your gender is what you are in your mind. And if you're too young to actually talk about it or think about it, then yeah, they will assign something to you. Maybe in the future we'll have a society where you don't have to. We can have like, like, a, a, like a third gender or a non-gender, like basically just wait with that until the person can say it. We're not there yet. I understand People would freak out if we even suggest that now. So now we assign a gender to people when they're born, just to make it easier for the small minds who can't handle the future. I'm feeling like I'm harsh, but I'm really not, because assigning someone a gender when you don't know, there's no point to it, and it doesn't help the person you're assigning the gender to. It just helps you put them in a box for the sake of you. The person you're putting in a box has no benefit from being put in that box at all. Uh, And there's a big obstacle for that person if you put them in the wrong box. So it would be better if we didn't have those boxes for kids, but now we do. So assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth, 
but you have to be prepared that if the kid wants to get out of that box because it doesn't fit them, don't try to keep them in the box. All right, um, number eight. What do you feel like you missed out on on most of your childhood? Wow, if you transition later, um, everything. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Like I, I, I am often very sad about all the wasted years and all the things I never had, all the experiences, the memories um, I could have had growing up among girl, as a girl among girls, and uh, the tra- the the um, the things you learn growing up. There's a lot of things of those things I missed. A lot of things I picked up just by knowing, uh, paying attention because I knew I belonged there. But there's a lot of things I haven't picked up. A lot of things that women take for granted that. Girls are expected to learn and just learn by existing in society that puts it on them, which society shouldn't do, but they did, and I wished it would put on me. Um, okay, it's 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 a tricky situation, but yeah. The question is, uh, what do I feel like I missed out on when it comes to my childhood? And a lot. I think I missed out on all of it. So, yeah, that's a sad question. But yeah, I missed out on our childhood altogether. Right, okay. Um... Number nine, what has been your favorite part of transitioning so far? That's hard to answer. Um, I enjoy seeing the changes, small as they are, even if they are slow and frustrating for being so slow. I gotta say, you know what? What touches me the most is when people around me accept me for who I am. When people see me and go, yep, I can sit down with women and talk with them as one of them because it's just obvious because of who I am and feeling accepted like that is absolutely absolutely magical and it feels like I am finally home after so many years and around people who accept me for who I am that's so magical it also hurts that I know that some people just would never do that and find it the idea of accepting someone like me absurd and that's just horrible to know that those people even exist. I'm sorry, like, I cannot say it differently. Those people are just pure awful. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about the awful people. I have wonderful people in my life that accept me for who I am. And when they do, without needing to stumble across the words or or trying to think twice about anything, but just accept me for who I am, that happens plenty of, time, plenty of times nowadays. And that is beautiful. I love it so much. Uh, there's also uh, the idea of sometimes when, I out, when I'm out as myself, I'm always out of myself nowadays, I'm out full time, but when I'm feeling accepted at a party or a social gathering all the time and I'm out, you know, fan, dressed, you know, in a fancy way, you know, um, and I see myself in a mirror and I just feel, yes, I'm here, I'm home, I belong here. Uh, there's another episode, hang on, which episode was it? Episode 13, Seeing Myself at Last. I talk about that a little bit more. I think, yes, I think that is one of my favorite things about transitioning so far. Number 10, what worries you most as a trans person? Um, bigotry, the world around me. There's a lot of bigotry still, a lot of people wish I didn't exist, and not enough people oppose them. I have a few close friends who are really tight allies who will stand up for me when things get hard and dangerous. But there's a lot of people in the world who say, well, I'm all for trans people, but they will not speak up when horrible things happen. They will not 
tell a person off for for saying horrible things about trans people with uh, with or without trans people around and if you go if you want to be an ally if you want to help make the world a better place for us you need to stand up that's how you be an ally a silent ally is not an ally um, and so and what worries me is how much bigotry just passes on without being questioned or held account to accountability how much the media can demonize and dehumanize us and that is just lifted as you know a perfectly valid opinion to have they're just having concerns yeah well their concern is that i exist and they would prefer me not to isn't that slightly alarming to anyone isn't the like the normalizing of dehumanize dehumanizing an oppressed minority ringing a couple of bells? Anyone? Really? Yeah, that scares me the most. That this level of dangerous bigotry is common in the media and people just think, eh, who cares? That's really sad to me. People can can hoist a, a super bigger transphobe up and they get annoyed when when somebody who was attacked by that person complains about about worshipping bigotry and yeah pick your side we we, we know what where your side is you cannot be neutral in this uh, neutrality always benefits the oppressor if you're not standing up for me you're standing up for my oppressor and that's dangerous because we are getting to levels now where it's dangerous for real well it's always been dangerous for real but it's getting worse so that scares me um does your family accept you? Yes, my family accepts me. There was a little touch and go at first. Some were confused. Some thought it was hard. Some were trying to take shortcuts. But I'm in a level now where I feel like all of my family are doing their best at the very least. And most of them are doing really well. So, yeah, I am pretty blessed on that regard. I, I'm surprised. I, was, I didn't think it was going to be that easy. Uh, there, are, there are still mistakes, there are still hurdles, and there's still some learning to do, but they're doing it, so I'm happy at that point. Okay, and number 12. How has transitioning changed your life? Well, it's worth living now, it didn't used to be. <laughs> That's a big thing. Um, like, I didn't used to care at all about my appearance. I would wear jeans and a t-shirt, that's all I would ever wear. I would ever need anything else, I would never buy clothes. They would be torn, there would be holes in them, I didn't care. Now... Uh, I love buying clothes. I just wish I could afford to. <laughs> but yeah, like, I love, like, I can try this, I can try that, I can match this, I can match that. It's amazing, and I love and adore doing it. It's not even about looking good for other people. I just like doing it for myself. It's amazing. Oh, wow, it's taking time, isn't it? All right, I gotta move on. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm clinking with my glass here. It's, it's, it's okay, never mind. Um, how has it changed your life? Okay, number 13. What has surprised you most about transitioning? Okay, uh, I think again, seeing myself in the mirror and, and seeing myself, I didn't realize that was a feeling I was ex expected to have. I always thought I had to settle, but I'm starting to see myself when I look at the mirror, and that's amazing. Oh, I was surprised at the level of sensitivity the breasts get when they start growing. Like, I knew they were supposed to get sensitive, but wow. Wow, that's like superhero sensitivity here. That's that was surprising. Um, oh, I didn't expect to get these pickle cravings. <laughs> I thought that was a stereotype, a myth, but no. Yeah, I got pickle cravings, and they're bad. They're really bad. Um, 
So yeah, there are there are some surprises, um, but they're mostly good ones. I like them all. Uh, even even some that are bad are still things that mean I'm going in the right direction. So there are there are a lot of surprises, and it's hard to pick one as the biggest one. So moving on, fourteen. Um, what would have made it easier for you to come out? Oh, that's easy. Just a more accepting world. If the world had shown me that trans people exist, and it's okay that we exist, and there are answers that you can transition, uh, my life would have been so much better. Like, it would be indescribable. Um, and it wouldn't be hard. Of course, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and, oh, it wouldn't have been easy back then, but... Uh, if I could have just known that it was possible for me, I could have come out earlier. Maybe I wouldn't missed out so much on a childhood. Maybe I could have been a lot further along now. Didn't have as much damage to my body done by the wrong puberty. Like, there's so many things that would have been different if the world just wasn't bigoted against trans people. So, please, just, just let us be us. And don't stop children from being themselves. If, if a kid tells you who they are, they're probably right. Uh, all right, next one. Fifteen. Uh, what has been the hardest part of your transition so far? The wait times. I'm in Sweden, and my government really hates the fact that I exist and really would prefer me not to and does not want to give me... I mean, it sounds harsh. There are There is trans care, and they're doing their best to get the lines down, but they're not getting funded. They're not getting the resources they need to actually do anything, and people have been waiting in a queue for a doctor since 2017, and uh, nothing's moving. So yes, that's hard. Knowing that my country will not help me in becoming myself, uh, I pay taxes for free healthcare. So like it's not free, I pay taxes obviously. But yes, the taxes aren't being used for healthcare for me. I still have to buy my healthcare abroad, uh, unsubsidized, out of pocket, which is a very expensive. Even though I pay taxes that should cover my my healthcare, and it's supposed to, but because I can't get diagnosed because Sweden just don't doesn't give a squirt about me. There you go. The, that is the hardest part of my transition, just not getting to do it, uh, having to pay for it out of pocket, and I am not wealthy. There are a lot of things I want to do that I can't afford. That's hard. So, how do you know you're trans? Um, that's, okay, how do you know you're not? How do you know you're right-handed? How do you know you're left-handed? Like, that's, that's not a relevant question. I know some people who have been denied for a long time there's some struggling to do when you're coming out, but when you know, you know. It, it's it's just another question that makes sense to me. 17. How does it feel to transition? Oh, absolutely wonderful. Even the bad stuff. I've already explained this. Um, yeah, seeing the changes in my body becoming more of what I'm at home with. I'm, it's like coming home. That's what it feels like. Uh, like you've been living in black and white and suddenly the world is in color. Everything is, even the bad stuff is wonderful, because now you're experiencing it as you. Transitioning is absolutely wonderful. Alright, 18. How did you tell your family, friends, work, etc.? That is a long story, and it's varying ways. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to just point you to episode 25, the previous episode, where I described coming out, because... That's a long story, and <laughs> yes, just after this, go to episode 25, listen to that. That's where I explain how I came out. I don't have time to do it in this episode. But yes, go over there. Um, are you fully transitioned? No, next question. Like, I have a lot of ways to go. Uh, it's going to take a lot of time, and in Sweden, it's not going to let me. So if I want to do it faster, I'll have to become rich. 
Uh, so if anybody wants to fund my transition, if anyone out there is loaded, just contact me and fund away and we'll get it done as quickly as we can. But right now, I'll either have to wait for a lot of years to get help from my country or get a lot of money. Right now, I'm on hormones. That's all I can afford. But there's a lot more I want to do. Uh, 20. What's the hardest part of your experience as a trans person? I think that is the same as 15, pretty much. It's waiting. Well, it's, it's first being stuck in the closet because of fear, being afraid of the world around me. Um, not wanting to let people down or make people uncomfortable, so I just trapped myself in misery. Um, but yes, yes. The time it takes for me to finally reach my goals as myself, that's the hardest part. Why not just be a feminine guy or a masculine woman? Okay, for me, they would say feminine, feminine guy. Well, that's, like I said before, that the question doesn't make any sense because it's not a choice. Why don't you try being this? Well, I'm not that. Uh, why don't you try being left-handed? Well, you're not. You can, you can try writing with your left hand, but if you're not left-handed, it's not going to be like, you're not left-handed. Um, I'm not a feminine guy. I am a, a feminine woman. I'm a feminine girl, you know? Uh, I can't choose to be that. And believe me, I have tried hard. Uh, and no, it doesn't work like that. I can't choose to be something I am not. I can act, I can pretend, but that's just acting and pretending. So yes, why not be just why not just be a feminine guy? That's not an option I have. I can't make that choice no matter how much I like if I could, I would have done it 10 times over just to get these problems out of my hair, but no. I cannot do that. 22. How do you think your life would have been different if you could have transitioned younger? Oh, it would have been night and day. Uh if I can transition, like, before puberty destroyed me, I would have lived such a happy life. And I know, it sounds naive. How can I guarantee I'm happy? I couldn't, I like, I don't know what would have happened, obviously. But no matter what happens, doing it as me is better than doing it as someone else. So, yes, um... I would have been much happier. My bo I would have felt much better in my body. I wouldn't have had dysphoria that hurts so bad my entire life. I wouldn't have felt shut out from the universe for most of my life. Yes, if I had transitioned younger, my life would have been so much better. And I really, really hate the world for all the years that have been stolen from me. So yes, don't stop your kids from coming out. If you if your kid comes to you and tells you they are trans, they're probably right. I mean, sure, do an investigation. Check out that, that it's true, of course, obviously. But if they come to you and say they think they're trans, there's a very good chance that they are right. Because kids who are cis don't have that feeling. Non-binary kids could experiment with it or, or gender fluid. But, but, yeah, if you think you're trans, you probably are. All right, um, what is the best part about being trans? Oh, wow, I could be really depressing here. There's no good part. <laughs> I, I'm one of those boring and uh, boring trans people who wish I was born a cis woman um, because there's nothing about being trans that's good for me. Trans, the word trans just means my body is not what it should be and the world doesn't see me as they should see me. It's all negative things. And not saying being trans is like my identity is the right identity, but my identity is not a trans identity. My identity is a woman identity. Um, and the word trans just means that everything else 
is mismatching me. Um, so I know there are trans people who are proud of being trans and trans is beautiful and all that, and I don't think they are wrong. Uh, I admire them for that. That's great. Trans needs to be lifted as something positive, but it's not positive for me personally. I am super binary, and a lot of binary people are like me. We just wish we were born cis in the identity, uh, with the body of the identity we have. All right. Have you had any surgeries? Are you going to? Uh, that's a, the question 24. Um, no, I have not had any uh, transition-related surgeries, but I am going to. I fully intend to. If I wait for the ones in Sweden, that's going to take me until roughly the year 4,569. Uh, but no, it's not going to take that long. But it's going to take years, several, several years, a lot of years. And I've already waited a lot of years. So that's terrible. But yes, I want them all. I want all the surgeries. I want everything. You know, I want the, 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 the breast augmentation. I want the bottom surgery, um, the laser. Uh, I would like some... some uh, FFS, um, a feminizing, feminizing facial surgery. Uh, uh, I'm not too worried about Adam's apple stuff because my Adam's apple isn't really visible anyway. Um, maybe that'll change if my neck gets thinner with the hormones, but we'll see. Um, but I want all the sur all the transitional uh, surgeries I can get a hold of. And again, if you're super rich and you want to sponsor my transition, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. I will. I will be very grateful. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, so no, I have not had any transition-related surgeries yet, but I am going to. I fully intend to have all of them. 25. How can I make things better for you? Well, just be an ally and not a silent one. Um, make sure you see me as me. And if you ever make a mistake, take corrections gracefully. Correct others you hear uh, misgender me. Whether or not I am there, it's almost even more important to do it when I'm not there. Uh, when people say a transphobic joke, um, you know, hold, hold them accountable. When someone is dehumanizing trans people, hold them accountable. Don't be silent. Uh, don't platform transphobes. This is the bare minimum of an ally. So thank you for doing that, if you're doing that. <laughs> um, also, of course, you can make things better for me by being rich and just uh, sponsoring my transition. Uh, I'm joking, of course. This is one of those really pathetic th things where I'm only joking if you say no. But, you know, that's that's how it works. <laughs> um, okay, number 26. Uh, what are you most excited about in your transition? Uh, okay, just the day when I can walk around and not feel dysphoric. You know, after a bunch, there's more years on hormones, some surgeries, and eventually I can... I can walk around on the beach in a bathing suit and not feel like I want to drown, you know? You know, just, just being able to exist without ever having to think about my dysphoria, you know? That's what I want. What's a non-binary? Uh, that's not a question for me to answer, but I can do, do the big one. Uh, not the big one. Uh, I, can, I can do it, like, roughly. Non-binary is someone who, who's, who doesn't feel right in the woman box or the man box. Uh, they're still the valid people, and just because there is no social pre-made box for them it just means it just means that the whole box idea is antiquated uh, non-binary means you don't fit the binary system of gender we have today this is why the system needs to change because the people are valid the system needs to support all the people that exists people should not have to bend themselves to 
to support the system. The system is made for us, for the people. So the system needs to represent the people in it. So there we go. Non-binary. I'm going to invite non-binary people to this podcast and talk about themselves so that you can hear from an actual non-binary person, which is the way it should be. I shouldn't talk for people whose experience I have not experienced. Okay, um, 28. What do you wish you could tell the younger you as a trans person? Oh, wow. Uh, You'll get there. Um, But if you could, you know, try sooner. As soon as you can. Uh, I understand in the 80s and 90s that wasn't really possible, but... <sighs> just come out as soon as you can. Transition as soon as you can, because you're really, really going to regret wasting all these years. Yeah, okay. Um, what are you most excited for in your transition? Hasn't, uh, haven't I answered that already? Hang on. What are you most excited for? Hang on, what did I... What are you most excited about in your transition? What are you most excited for in your... Okay, so the difference here is excited for instead of excited about. I think it's the same question. Okay. Um, should I say something different? Okay. Maybe. Oh, am I going to get a bit saucy here? Okay. All right. I try to make this family friendly. You're not going to, it's still going to be because, you know, you need to sometimes talk about sex ed. Uh, I am looking forward to maybe trying out having a sex life. I could haven't, my sex drive has always been very low. Uh, and that could have been because of dysphoria whenever sexual arousal threatened to happen, my dysphoria would bloom and make everything uncomfortable, unpleasant, and downright painful. Um, there's, it's not to say that I don't have a sex drive, it's just that dysphoria ruins it. It makes it impossible for me to to enjoy sexual activity um, when I've tried it. Um, but after I've gotten all the treatments, I think there's a possibility that I might actually get to experience enjoying a sex life. That would be interesting. I would love to try that. Wow. Uh, cool. Uh, number 30, I would like to ask another question. EMA, which means ask me anything. Well, I this is a list that you're supposed to send to me. So um, you're supposed to pick one and send to me. But I just answered all of them. I cannot put a question there. Uh, so if you have a question, you can send it to me and I will cover it. Great. That is some information about me as a trans person. I hope it was educational. And now moving on to my roleplay-related things. You see, uh, I read a thing about you can you can interview a character, and I love that idea. I absolutely adore it. And you can have a list of questions. I've already answered questions as characters, and I love it. I even had someone on that played a character, and I um, love that too. Um, where we talk to each other as our characters. So what I'm going to do is every now and then I'm going to invite someone over to to interview me as a character with a list of questions. Maybe one we've prepared. Maybe one one of you have suggested. Uh, so what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to try to do brief because it's already been a fairly long episode. I'm going to give you a list of 15 characters that I've played. Either I'm still playing them, or I have played them in a large campaign in the last three or four years. Going back further, they might have started faded fading. Um, and also some characters I haven't started playing yet, but they are created with such detail that I can still encompass, I can still um, be them and answer questions, ask them. All right, I'm going to do a list. Some of them you already know if you've listened to the podcast, but I'm going to do a list of 15 characters here that you can choose and send in. I would like to know more about this person, interview this person. Uh, all right, cool. Um, the first one, Leah Halalela. 
I have not spoken much about her, if anything. I'm not sure, like, but um, she is a cleric slash sorceress. Uh, she is uh, a, a healer, 13 years old. Uh, she grew up thinking she was a prophet. This was false. There are many twists and turns in her past. I gave the game master um, free license to put all the twists he wanted into why my character is a divine soul. And no oh boy, he went bananas on that license. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of dark twists and turns for my poor young cleric. And uh, you can, uh, you know, choose her for your interview if you wanna, if you wanna suggest one. That's Leia Halalela, number one. Number two, Cassandra Lagrandia. I have spoken about her a bit. She is a, a wild sorceress. She tried to um, appear as a wizard because she's a, she's a, uh, ashamed of being a wild sorceress. She comes from a family of overachievers, famous adventurers that are all really good at what they do, and her magic being chaotic meant she was always seen as a failure, or she felt like she was seen as a failure, uh, which made her grumpy and angsty and a bit of an angry character. But in the party, quite soon she opened up and started caring about people a little sooner than I thought she would. And lately, she's become a bit of a hero, even though she herself intended to be selfish because she was angry at the world. Surprised me. She took twists and turns. Uh, she quite recently was very close to dying. I think I might have talked about her a bit. Uh, she sacrificed herself and she was sure she was going to die. She survived, shocking herself. Um, so Cassandra Lagrandia uh, has had a lot, of, a lot of character growth. And in next session, or in a few sessions, we're actually going to visit her family. So I'm, that's going to be interesting. Uh, number three, Sweet Nose. Sweet Nose in Swedish. Uh, I think I've spoken about her. Um, she is actually the most challenging character I've ever played. She used to be a house cat, but because of a magical accident, she's human. Um, and um, uh, I don't. I try to not play her stupid. I play her empty of knowledge, which is a lot of fun. Uh, a character named Wiley, who is the granddaughter of the wizard whose cat I was. She is um, uh, she's given the task of teaching me how to human, basically. And I'm just having a lot of fun with this character. She speaks... She's very simple-minded, uh, but it's very complicated to play that because I have to think about how much of the things going around about me do I actually understand? How can I react to this? How can I relate to these things? It's, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes thinking that I'm not used to because I, I try to avoid doing that kind of thing, but with Sweet Nose... I really have to be aware of how much she actually understands what's going on. But I'm having a lot of fun with her. And I think she could be a lot of fun to interview. It will be a weird and bizarre interview because she doesn't quite understand language yet. But it's she's fun. She's great fun. All right, then we have Elonin of Gudinja. I have spoken about her a bit uh, She um, uh, on this podcast. She is a witch of the clan Gudinja in the game Simba Room. And we played a... Uh, we played... A campaign, uh, which was an amalgamation of the Promised Land and the Copper Crown, uh, which are official uh, modules. And we had a great time. We played this campaign for like 18 months and we made a wonderful, wonderful art piece. We had it commissioned. Uh, it was great. And we had such great character chemistry in that one. 
and she is a witch. She is a um, uh, she's an apprentice keeper. Keeper are keepers are basically the spiritual leaders of a clan, and she is out to find a cure for her twin sister who has been um, who has been cursed with with magical corruption, which is a thing that happens in Simba Room. And she's traveling with her husband's sorry her her sister's husband, who who is also her ex. So that's that's an interesting constellation, and there are plenty of other characters. This was a lovely constellation. So if you wanna her, want her interviewed, that'd be fine. There's Alvhild, which I think is the one I've spoken about the most on this podcast. She is the one that I actually named myself after when I changed, partly named myself after. She's 13 year old shepherdess, turned out to be half fae, which threw her life upside down. She's on the run with her friends from big political and magical intrigues in a world and she just wants safety for her and her friends and the game master throws trauma after trauma after trauma at us and she's a wonderful character to play so emotional so expressive and i just love playing alfield so if you want to ask her well i've already answered a few questions as her and i'm gonna cry if you want me to cry you pick her I have Maya Krantz as well, number 10. Um, I don't think I've spoken about her at all. She is a mutant uh, in the game Mutant 2. It's a very, it's a retro game from the 80s, I think, at first in Sweden. Uh, I know a lot of people know about Mutant Year Zero, which is a, basically a reboot of Mutant, but this one is an old game. And I play a uh, a little girl. Um, I think she's, four, she's 15 now, because we played it for a while now. Um, and she is the daughter of a scientist. She's a test you baby because a scientist's family died and he wanted to recreate his family but stronger so so they could withstand things. Uh, so so he used some extra genes from his left and right and it turns out that the child he created looks less human than he expected. I look basically like a humanoid wolf. Uh, he tried to fix that so I don't look totally like wolf mutants look like in that world. They're usually pretty big and buff. They don't have hair on their heads. So my character her growth was stunted, so she's very short, and she does have hair on her head, and, um, well, she, she, uh, by now, my dad has stopped trying to make me look more human, for now at least, which is nice, because that was painful, having to do all those genetic, uh, all that genetic therapy to try and humanize me, and I'm really happy that stopped. <laughs> but yes, we are, uh, we froze ourselves for 500 years, because at first he thought, my father thought, in the future, there'll be more technology to help me uh, humanize my daughter. And turns out, no, apocalypse happened, and no, there's no technology anymore. Whoops. So now we're just navigating uh, the new world that has risen from the apocalypse. And Maya is a fun character. She's a, she's a My Little Pony fan, and she's kind of become the leader of the group. We have a, a soldier named Sven and a robot named Robert. His name is Robert because um, he's been part of her life since she was a baby. And when people introduce her, this is your robot, she thought they were calling me Robert. Which is mean for a long time, she thought all robots were named Robert. Now she knows that's no longer the case, but this Robert is still named Robert to her. Um, and we have a soldier who's my, buddy's, uh, my dad's bodyguard, came with us as well. And he's like the military leader. My dad is trying to put our strategy down, but every time we are to make an important decision, 
Maya tends to take the lead because she uses the morals she learned from My Little Pony. Uh, trying to solve everything with friendship, which is not a thing you would commonly do in this old, uh, old school role playing game. Which the game master loves it that we're doing everything wrong according to the old ways, but we're having a lot of fun. Like Maya Krantz, uh in a mutant wasteland, trying to solve problems the My Little Pony way. I love her. All right, Kelsey Webster. Um, she's in a uh, homebrew game system, uh, basically based on old TV shows like The A-Team or Knight Rider, uh, present day at the time. Um, um, fun kind of action adventures without consequences. Uh, that's fun. She's, um, Kelsey Webster is a cocky mechanic and race car driver. Uh, who's also claustrophobic. She'll refuse to get into small spaces, which is fun because she's a driver, but she's okay if she's the driver. She'll refuse to get in a car, she's not driving. We had some trouble when we had to get into a small plane, <laughs> so I basically demanded that I fly it, even though I've never flown a plane before. Like, like, Kelsey is fun. Um, she doesn't think about consequences, she just jumps in, uh, and she's one, like an A-Teams kind of character. Uh, so if you want to talk, if you want me to talk as Kelsey Webster, you can have her be interviewed. I have Ilva Thorsdotter. Ilva Maria is actually her full name. Ilva Maria Thorsdotter. It's from Call of Cthulhu. Um, we are, we've just done two adventures. And she started as a, a farmhand of a farm where she kind of grew up. And now she, she started in the campaign as the maid in the house, you see. Uh, my mother was their maid, and she died, and I took over. So basically, it, uh, I grew up alongside the kids of the house. And now that we're grown up, and I'm the maid of the house, I am in love with the son of my employer, which is a scandal. So in the first adventure, we were keeping that hidden, but the, the, the sister found out. Uh, both my, my, um, my boyfriend and his sister are players. So we had some great drama going on there. Some people would say we're doing Call of Cthulhu wrong, doing soap opera out of Call of Cthulhu, but it's wonderful. It's so wonderful to play all these relationships because the horror becomes so much more tangible when you really care about the people. We have had our, we just finished our second um, adventure and that literally, that, that one had me so scared I was rolling on the floor hyperventilating at one point. Uh, I heard, and I I was horrified to find out that I had forgotten to mute myself, and they all heard me do that. <laughs> but yes, um, Ilva Thorsdotter, oh yes, um, we actually ended that um, adventure, the latest adventure, with a wedding, because the secret is out, uh, and Carl Fredrik's mother approved of me, and we had a wedding, and it was super happy in the midst of all these horrors that were going on. It was really good... It's a really good, weird balance there of horror and wonderful uh, drama. And of course, there were other things going on. It, was, it wasn't just my character's um, drama, but that, that'll, that'll come to show if you choose Ilva as someone to be interviewed. Uh, but that was really, that's really fun uh, with all our down-to-earth kind of drama. And yes, I had a Call of Cthulhu wedding! Woohoo! <laughs> right, uh, number 13, Nell. Nell is a gangrel in Vampire the Masquerade. One point in intelligence, five points in courage. Uh, very low humanity. She's dumb 
and cocky, and I can't believe she survived the campaign. It's a miracle. Um, she uh, she was assigned a mentor who wasn't doing much mentoring, so she thought she had to kill people to drink blood because no one taught her that you can actually kind of confuse them instead. And it took like six months and a pile of bodies before someone told her. It's like, oh, well, that would have been good to know earlier. But she's fun. She's rude. Um, she's kind of evil, but she does have a moral code. She does care about her friends, even if she's she's cruel to her friends. But there's like uh, an endearing cruelty by her. She was a really fun character. A very angry, cocky, but funny character. And I think you'd enjoy hearing her talk too. She's a gangrel. That's the animalistic type vampire. They look like animals, and she developed like a like a feline kind of muzzle uh, as she she frenzied at one point. But yes, Nell the gangrel was fun. There's Sapphire. I talked about her a lot. She is based on uh, Ozma or Tibetarius from the Oz books, a, a, a trans allegory. She was born a princess, but she was kidnapped turned into a boy to to be hidden, raised as a boy not knowing that she's actually a girl. Um, the curse is broken, and now she's a princess. And, well, she's made a lot of friends along the way. Getting used to being a princess and trying to figure out how to solve these problems without having been taught any politics. And also navigating her friends, a really weird bunch. Like, uh, there's a tiefling slash succubi, succubus. Uh, Sakipai is plural, isn't it? Sorry. Uh, we have like a pl- like a weird person who's walked from a different... Uh, from Ravnica, I think, yeah. Uh, we have a half-drow. Uh, we have a barbarian... A- a- an academic barbarian. Um, we have this uh, exotic um, uh, merchant. Like a very big mix. A very weird gathering that I brought to the palace and to meet my parents as they as I was returned from having been kidnapped for 17 years. Like so, Sapphire is fun. She is very emotional, but most often she's super happy, uh, very giddy, very bubbly. But when sad things happen, she does get grim pretty quickly. She she lets emotions take her. She's most she's positive when she can be, but sad things do get to her quickly. Sapphire's fun. I love playing Sapphire. She's so bubbly and funny. Alright, and then finally, Tyriana Silvertongue, who is my Skald slash Bard from Forbidden Lands, who also had a bit of a trance allegory to her because she was killed and resurrected in a new body, which is a male body, which gave her dysphoria, and she had to struggle with that and find a way back to her own body, which she did. And again here, um, we actually, uh, she actually had... Forbidden Lands is a very dangerous world, and there's slavery in it, and blood mist, and there's terrible things. But we had a big group, and they were trying to build a society, and she was like, Yes! This is what you need to do in a dangerous world! Build a safe society! And fight slavery, and make sure everyone's safe and secure! And I had a romance going in that. Uh, There was uh, some pregnancy involved as well, and it was really sweet, and really cute, and very horrible at times, because the world is so harsh. Tyriana Silvertongue, half-elf, bard, um, say bard, she's a scald, it's called scald in that game, but it, it, it's a bard. For D&D players, it's what a bard is. Then there's Nidea, who is in a, uh, a campaign of Mass Effect 5e, if you know the Mass Effect uh, role-playing game from Bioware. Nidea is an Asari, with a dark twist that she doesn't know yet, um... She is what is known as an Arda Jakshi, 
which is kind of like a succubus vampire in the Asari species. She was recently rescued from a lab. She's grown up there as an experiment and she doesn't know yet what she is. She is kind of rude and angry, kind of like if you play Mass Effect, she's like a mix of Jack from Mass Effect 2 and 3 and PB in Mass Effect Andromeda. That kind of personality, uh, kind of unhinged and silly, but quite violent when she needs to be. And um, yeah, I like Nadea. She is fun and she is she's on the course for a very tragic story because yeah, that's our detective for you. Uh, and uh, so last but not least, there is Kate Nova, who is my character in a ongoing Star Wars campaign, Star Wars 5e. Kate Nova is a um, uh, an engineer Twi'lek. Uh, who uh, who grew up on Ord Mantell after having been a refugee from from Ryloth. Uh, Ryloth is the Twi'lek home planet. If you don't know Star Wars, they are the, the ones that have like tails on their heads, two of them. Um, and um, uh, she grew up on Ord Mantell. This is kind of like the era of... We're playing in the era of, era of like a little bit before Rogue One, so the Empire era, and... Um, she grew up on Ord Mantell, then her parents died, and she wanted to become a bit of a traveler. She ended up enslaved by the Miners Guild. This is where the campaign started. Uh, we have broken free from the Miners Guild, me and my party. We had some Lovecraftian horror episodes, and we have some... We've had some really terrible encounters with the Empire, and some really scary uh, episodes concerning, like, the whole... Um, spooky side of the dark side of the force. If you like dark horror and Star Wars, you'll want to hear Kate Nova interviewed. And yes, uh, out of these 15 characters, you get to uh, contact me and say, I would like this character interviewed, and I will make one episode about that. I will have a guest on, and they will read a uh, list of questions for that character. So you can provide the questions you'd like, but there are plenty of, like, prepared lists for you can ask your characters these char uh, these questions. Th that can be fun. I I I'm looking forward to this. And uh, so, yes. Now you know a bunch of stuff about me, and you have an opportunity to learn about one of these characters or more that I just explained to you. Great. And now I gotta go to bed. Um, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs>